Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Alike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Sports Beat. Here in your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. On this Wednesday, January the 11th of 2023. My name is Darren Pritchett. Thank you for joining me. Whether it's on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com. Also, for free on our WSBT radio app, you can get the app by going to the iTunes or Google Play stores. Then just search WSBT radio. And with the app, you can listen to us live or also our podcast. You can listen to everything on demand. And the Twitch app with the video feed is also available right now. Eight minutes after five o'clock. Hope you're having a terrific Wednesday. Coming up on the program this evening, we'll have our opening three topics, our hat trick topics coming up in just a moment. We're going to venture down the Chicago Bears road for just a little bit. The Bears are going to be a team that we're going to talk a lot about during the offseason since Chicago has the number one pick in the NFL draft. General Manager Ryan Poles has held his end-of-the-season press conference, so we'll allow Mr. Poles to talk about his thoughts on Justin Fields, creating more balance on offense, run game really good, passing game nothing to write home about, the state of the offensive line. What about Chase Claypool, the former Irish receiver they gave up what is now the 32nd overall pick in the draft for a guy who caught 14 passes. Is that deal going to work out? Pauls has some thoughts on Chase Claypool. We'll get to that coming up in a little bit. We have our Twitter question of the day. Also this hour, we'll talk some Notre Dame football and Irish women's basketball with Blue and Gold Illustrated's Tyler Horka. He'll join me one hour from right now to talk about Sam Hartman, Thomas Harper, 
what the Irish defensive line is going to look like this fall, and we'll get into the Notre Dame women's basketball team who lost by 10 at Carolina on Sunday, home game against Wake Forest tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. And we'll have a little sizzler at the end of the program. We'll go through some sports wagering selections here on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. It's amazing. I guess you would all agree as you get older, time flies. Great thing about Twitter, if you follow the right accounts, you get reminded of big-time sporting events that happened on this date. And right now we're in the part of January where there's a lot of NFL history. Back when I was younger, the AFC and NFC championship games were usually held in the middle of January. Many times they were done by this time in January. Things have changed. The season has been drawn out. Longer regular season, more playoff teams. And, of course, the Super Bowl is now a staple in the month of February. But it's one of those things that when you see a highlight and you see how many years it's been, it makes you just kind of shake your head. I can't believe it's been that long. Now, for me, this is a special day on this date being a long time. I was a little kid, diehard Denver Bronco fan. 37 years ago today, 37 years ago today, the famous drive took place. In Cleveland, what was it, old Municipal Stadium back then, the Cleveland Browns had the Denver Broncos down in the AFC Championship game by seven with just over five minutes to go. Denver mishandled the kickoff. They had the ball at the two-yard line. They had to go 98 and a half yards into a stiff wind in Cleveland, dodging dog bones being thrown just to have a chance to force overtime. 15 plays, 98 yards John Elway to Mark Jackson, the touchdown pass tied it, and then Rich Carlos won the game in overtime, sending Denver to Super Bowl 21. It would be the first of three trips in four years for Denver getting to the Super Bowl, and each time in those appearances, the losses got worse. Hey, they led the Giants 10-9 in that Super Bowl out at the Rose Bowl in 1987, but then the Giants won 39-20. The next year, it was the Timmy Smith counter-tray game against the Redskins. Denver up 10-0. They lose 42-10. And then Joe Montana and the 49ers were down 3-0, and I think they ended up winning pretty easily 55-10. So that was not a fun time to be a Bronco fan, losing three times in four years. Now having won three Super Bowls, those losses have been erased, and that's why I was having a conversation with a Viking fan today, and I – said, I always root for the Bills and the Vikings when my team is out of it because those are two franchises that have never experienced a win. They're both 0-4, and having been 0-4 as a fan, to win that first time beating Brett Favre and the Packers in Super Bowl 32 is still one of the coolest sports days in my sports fandom. And just after all those losses, to win one was just extra special. And I want, eventually, the Vikings fans and the Bills fans who suffered through those tough losses to experience it. Although most of the Vikings losses were so long ago, there's a couple of generations that haven't experienced the Vikings in the Super Bowl, so I'm not sure it would mean the same. But there's a lot of Bills fans from the 90s still stinging from losing the Super Bowl, an unthinkable 
four consecutive years. But as our lives pass before our eyes, just to make you feel old today, 37 years ago today, a big piece of NFL history, maybe the most famous playoff drive, 98 yards, and Denver went on to beat Cleveland to go to Super Bowl 21. And for those of you that aren't even 37 yet, you make me feel awful. All right, 514 on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The first pitch had the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Well, we've got three topics to get the program started. Let's start with a little Notre Dame basketball. A chance to enjoy a victory in that Irish locker room last night. It has been way too long. It took six games into the ACC season, but Mike Bray's squad got that victory. But it wasn't easy. It looked like there might be another late-game collapse by the Irish. They were up six in the second half, but with about 2.30 to go, Notre Dame was down seven. A timeout is called, as we found out later. Cormac Ryan, one of the Irish guards, took charge of that huddle and apparently laid into everybody, laid it all out there. He was tired of losing, tired of bad play. Irish responded, forced overtime. Nate Lashevsky hit a couple of free throws with 23 seconds left. And Notre Dame got it done as they beat the rambling wreck of Georgia Tech. 73 to 72 as we went down memory lane just a moment ago. Georgia Tech has not won in South Bend since 1990. Incredible. That was old Lethal Weapon 3. Kenny Walker, Dennis Scott, and was it Lewis Oliver? Was that the other great player for Georgia Tech? Rod Balanas, the former Irish basketball assistant coach. He was on that Georgia Tech basketball team the last time the Jackets won in South Bend. They got absolutely blown out here last year. It looked like last night late that Notre Dame was going to have that streak snapped. But Notre Dame responded. Played a great final two minutes and 30 seconds. Got it into overtime and pulled out the 73-72 victory. Good to see Dane Goodwin have a really solid performance last night. 19 points on 6 of 11 shooting, 12 rebounds to lead the Fighting Irish, 2 assists and a steal in 41 minutes and 34 seconds. There was actually one player that played more than Dane. It was Nate Lashevsky who went 41 minutes and 41 seconds in last night's ball game. 14 points, seven rebounds, a couple of steals, and an assist. A couple other players in double figures. Cormac Ryan with 11. J.J. Starling with 16. Starling was asked after the game, since he did not start last night, when was the last time he didn't start a game? He said never. This was... A first. Starling ended up playing 38 minutes and 22 seconds. 16 points for JJ. 
He had four turnovers in the ballgame, but also three assists and three rebounds. The Irish led by one at halftime, ended up winning the game 73-72. After the game, the voice of the Fighting Irish, Tony Simeone, caught up with head coach Mike Bray. You knew it wasn't going to be easy, Coach, and you got it in the end. How did yeah. it feel to be inside that winning locker room? You know, uh, I give our kids a lot of credit. What was it, 63-56? Seven points with 2.15 yeah. left. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, we're – the whole game we're searching for some stuff. But I thought we really defended well the whole game. Mm-hmm. And then we really defended well the end of regulation and the overtime. And we mustered up enough scoring opportunities as we still try and figure out how to score better. But, uh, um, you know, that timeout, Cormac Ryan kind of ran that timeout. Uh-huh. There's nothing, you know, when you're down and I give him a lot of credit uh, and our old guys a lot of credit for the leadership there. I want to ask you about Dane Goodwin, 19 points, also a career-high 12 rebounds. He took a huge three for you straight away, got you a big bucket. Just his performance tonight just seemed like you needed one from him and you got it from him. Yeah, no, that was big. That was a big possession where we took the lead, and Nate had a great screen for him right there. Um, you know, he's, uh, you know, every that, that group that, that finished regulation and overtime really played well together, but we'll need more guys, and I think we'll have – we will have Lubin back okay. on Saturday. He's just not quite there yet. Dom gave us some minutes. Matt gave us some minutes. But we need Lubin, and we'll we'll get him back. And and you know, a lot of, a lot of respect for JJ Starling. We we changed things a little bit, and uh, he came off the bench and was a team guy about it. And. Uh, and I thought was fabulous and made a lot of plays for us. I was going to ask you about J.J., just how he took that first time he's come off the bench. I thought not only did he give you a lot of spark, he gave you 16 points, of course, on this side. Had a steal over here at one yeah. point. It seemed like he was really active yeah. defensively, too, and that got him going. Yeah, and he was great. And, and, you know, what we've done in the past is is you just sometimes you just try and change things to help a guy and maybe help our group. It's not like you're demoting somebody or you're – benching somebody actually it's you know Dane Goodwin and Cormac Ryan and Nate Leshevsky have all been brought off the bench yeah. to get a better rhythm and uh, so they were good talking to him about it but I thought he responded like this is my role I'm ready to go and he's a team guy and he made some big time plays for us I want to ask you about one other player that maybe flies under the radar when you look at the box score and that's Trey Wirtz. I think he missed his yep. first four shots took the biggest shot at that point of the game in the right corner made it hit the go-ahead three here at the left wing to have that kind of mindset tells you a lot about where he is uh, mentally the, the guy makes big shots and we learned that against uh, Wake Forest in the ACC tournament and we learned that probably in one of these games where we were dead in the water early in the year and um, you know he's he is a clutch guy and he really gave us some some great stuff and uh, so you know we sometimes you need one yeah. you know and we've been searching and can we get one to feel like that and now we'll head to, to the Carrier Dome. I know you said you're searching for stuff. Last one I have is just what do you think you take away from this one? You can take on the road to Syracuse and start building on this momentum. You know, we, we, we've been close in these other yeah. ones, and this group really, you know, they, they like coming out of that timeout when they had that run and we give up the lead and we answered back and they punch us. I mean, there's, there's really good stuff about this group, yeah. and they deserved it, and, and I wasn't sure we were going to get it. Um, one thing I told him was, it'll never be our turn. You've got to make it your turn. I thought some of our defensive possessions, we made things happen. We trapped the ball screen a couple times. Nate was fabulous. 
doing that. We got our hands on loose balls. Our crowd was great. Yeah. And we needed them down the stretch. And we'll see you next Tuesday uh, when Florida State comes to town. Thank you. Mike Bray with Tony Simeone on the Notre Dame Radio Network. Heard on WSBT Radio last night. Irish went in overtime, 73-72. So the record is now 9-8, 1-5 in the ACC. Small crowd at Purcell last night, 4,502. So basically 50% capacity. As you heard Tony and Mike talk about, Notre Dame at Syracuse, the old Carrier Dome. Saturday, 7 o'clock here on WSBT Radio. Pre-game coverage is going to get started at 6.30 with Tony Simeone courtside, ready to bring you all the pre-game activity. The Irish and the Orange have already played this year. That was at Purcell Pavilion on December the 3rd. And Notre Dame lost to the Orange 62-61. 62-61. That was the game after Notre Dame knocked off Michigan State by 18. Our second of three hat-trick topics to get this program underway. Notre Dame football, the way, 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 way too early. Top 25 college football rankings are coming out. And actually, I was really curious to see what people think about the Irish at this stage. In particular, fresh in the minds of everybody that are filling out their top 25s is the fact that Notre Dame arguably acquired the best player in the transfer portal. Wake Forest quarterback Sam Hartman. You can go online. You can see different organizations rank the players and the quarterbacks. Some have Devin Leary, number one. I've noticed at least one outlet had Brennan Armstrong of Virginia ahead of Sam Hartman. Can't agree with those rankings. Sam would be my number one choice, followed by Devin Leary from North Carolina State, who is now a Kentucky Wildcat. So fresh in the mind of these voters, how about we just play the game and say arguably the best player in the portal is going to Notre Dame quarterback Sam Hartman would that alter the thinking of these voters well I'll say this just going through seven rankings today everybody's kind of in the same ballpark with the Fighting Irish that they're going to be a really really good team but not a playoff team According to these rankings, ESPN's ranking had Notre Dame the worst. Again, of the seven I chose, ESPN had the Irish at 14. Athlon Magazine had Notre Dame 12, also at 12, Yahoo and Fox Sports. The Athletic picked Notre Dame in their way-too-early top 25 college football ranking at number 11. Same for Sports Illustrated. The Irish at number 11. And of the seven top 25s I looked up today, CBS Sports, the best of the seven, they had the Irish at number 10. You go to Clemson, you've got Ohio State and USC coming to your house. A lot of opportunities to impress the most important people 
the individuals that make up the college football playoff selection committee. You win those three games, you're going to be in the conversation. It's interesting. I just think about this football team right now, and it's still not fully constructed. The Irish are still trying to add players from the transfer portal. I feel really good about the offense. I'll say this. I'm hoping I learn my lesson. I thought the Irish offensive line would just come out of the gates and dominate, be in sync. It took a couple of weeks before they really got locked in, and then we're pretty good the rest of the way. A lot of new faces this year. In the interior of that offensive line, the guard spots, we're going to have new parts there. You've got two anchor tackles, but again, it takes those individuals working together. So I'm not going to be all in game one. They're just going to come out and be perfect. Might take a couple of weeks for them to get into it, but they're going to be really, really good. Running back room, outstanding. Wide receiver room, potential. Tight end room, going to have to show me. Quarterback position, love it. So offensively, I'm excited. It feels like a team that should, at the very least, challenge to be a playoff team. The way special teams has improved, you expect them to be at a high level. A new high standard has been set. Defensively is where I'm kind of curious. In particular, the boys up front. What is that defensive line going to look like? Is it a group that's going to play high-level championship football? Is there going to be depth? like Notre Dame has had for so many years. That's probably my biggest concern looking at the roster right now. What do the Irish have at the defensive line spots? Linebacker looks good. Love the corners with Hart and Morrison. If Thomas Harper, the transfer from Oklahoma State, comes in and takes over for Tariq Bracey successfully, the nickel spot should be in good shape. Tight end. I'm sorry, safety. You got D.J. Brown, Xavier Watts, Ramon Henderson. We'll see if they can step up their games to higher levels. But just sitting here right now, those rankings from the various outlets, I have no problem with because in order to be a championship team, you better be dominant along both lines of scrimmage. Look at Georgia, prime example. Before that, Alabama, Clemson, they had dominant defensive lines. Where are we right now with the Irish? I'm really curious to see. So I'm okay with those rankings. That's, I think, a fair way to evaluate Notre Dame, again, with not all the information for all these teams being gathered yet because teams are still adding players. But Notre Dame, anywhere between 10 and 14 in those seven way too early top 25 college football rankings. And our third of three hat trick topics to get the program started. We Head south to Indianapolis. The Indianapolis Colts just completed a horrid season, 4-12-1, starting three different quarterbacks. The Matt Ryan experiment did not work out, didn't have a lot of help from his offensive line. There's a lot of money invested in that group up front that was just not good enough this year. The defense was pretty good throughout the year. Jonathan Taylor did not have that wild season you expected. Injuries held him back. The O-line inconsistencies of the passing game. And here we are, the Colts, 4-12-1. Jim Irsay and the Colts fired Frank Reich during the season. 
They brought out of the television booth former Colt center Jeff Saturday, and he won one game as interim head coach. And it looks like Chris Ballard, the GM, will stay on as Colts general manager. A lot of work to be done. And Ballard did not shy away from what was a miserable season for Colts fans and everybody within that Colts organization. Look, I failed. I'm not going to sit up here and make excuses. Failed a lot of people. Um, Highly disappointed, you know, about where we're at, how the season went. You know, I never take lightly what's at stake here. And it's not, you know, the wins and losses, but, you know, people's lives are on the line. Players' families, coaches' families, front office, people in this building. And I don't ever take that lightly. And, you know, I'm disappointed. Um, Disappointed where we're at and ultimately – it falls on my shoulders. I won't, I won't walk away from that. I won't run from it. Saying that, we'll grow from it, and I'll grow from it, and I'll get better because of it. You know, unfortunately, you know, our greatest moments of growth and greatest times of growth happen in the darkness, and you just got to keep your eyes open and see the light. I had some rough moments. You know, this season, thinking about, you know, where we're at and how we got where we're at. The mistakes I had made. And there's only one way to, you got to go through it. You know, you can't avoid it, can't go over it, can't go on it. I mean, you got to go through it. It's the only way you're going to grow. And I believe in our people. I believe in our processes. We have really smart, good people in this building. And I believe going forward, we'll prove that. I know there's doubt. There should be. Absolutely, there should be. Uh, The criticism, it's warranted. Criticism, you know, regarding my job and what I've done, it's warranted. But I'm still, I've not lost any confidence in what we can build here. Chris Ballard, general manager of the Colts, not shying away from what has been a rough end to last season. All you have to do is beat the Jaguars in Jacksonville to make the postseason, and the Colts got throttled. And that game seemed to lead to a disastrous season this year, going 4-12-1. The failure has led to the Indianapolis Colts sitting at number four, in the National Football League draft. And you take a look at the teams ahead of them. The Bears at one, probably not taking a quarterback, although they're likely to trade out of that spot. And a team taking a quarterback would move into number one. Houston at two, should take a quarterback. Arizona at three, will not, but again, could trade out of that spot. So it sure seems like the Colts are going to play a little poker. And they may have to go all in just to make sure they get their quarterback. Since Andrew Luck retired, everything they've tried to do at the quarterback position, they haven't hit the jackpot. Phillip Rivers was okay. Carson Wentz, 
and Matt Ryan did not work out. The Colts are hoping to find their franchise quarterback. There's no guarantee picking first, second, third, or fourth, you're going to get a franchise quarterback. You have to pick the one you believe is the best and develop them. It's not a guarantee. We've seen that so many times. But I would have to imagine the Colts are going to be very aggressive. We saw the Bears move up one spot from three to two to make sure they got their guy. It was Mitchell Trubisky. I would bet the Colts will move up from four to get into position to get their quarterback. I would have to say, in my opinion, they are definitely in play and one of my favorite teams to swap with the Bears to get up to number one so they get their guy, whether it's Bryce Young of Alabama, C.J. Stroud of Ohio State, I think Will Levis of Kentucky's further down the line, but he is considered the third best quarterback in this draft. It's going to be a very interesting Next few months for area NFL fans watching the Bears and the Colts try to position themselves to, I think, put their franchises in the best position to have success going forward with what they do with their pick in the first round. And I think the Lions are fascinating. Maybe one of the best teams, if not the best team, to not make the playoffs with the way they played down the stretch. They've got 6-18 and 18 in their back pocket so they can do whatever they want in the first round as well. That is our hat trick of topics to get the program going. Notre Dame beats Georgia Tech at overtime 73-72. Way too early top 25 college football rankings. Notre Dame between 10 and 14 in most polls. And Chris Ballard, the Colts GM, taking full responsibility for the lack of success this year. It's 536. When we come back, we're going to focus on the Chicago Bears Ryan Poles pretty much staked himself to his quarterback, Justin Fields, and not taking a quarterback at number one overall. I guess there is kind of a yeah, but, but it doesn't seem likely. Details coming up as Sportsbeat continues 536 on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on this Wednesday evening. My name is Darren Pritchett. It is 541, 19 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. A very mild day here in the South Bend area today. Have to remind ourselves it's only January. We've got probably some nasty weather still to come, but a very enjoyable day in these parts today. The Chicago Bears have the number one pick on the draft. What a wild sequence on Sunday. The Houston Texans on fourth down and long down in Indianapolis throw. Basically a ball up for grabs into the end zone. The ball goes right through the hands of a leaping Colt defender into a Texan player's arms for a touchdown. Lovey Smith and the Texans convert the two-point conversion and win by one over the Colts. And with the Bears losing to the Vikings, Chicago acquires the number one pick in the National Football League draft. Lovey Smith fired as head coach of the Texans. Texans will sit 
at number two. So the Texans went from having their pick of the litter. Now they have to wait to see who the Bears likely trade their pick to. So Justin Fields, second year in the National Football League, brand new offensive coaching staff. You could see how that staff brought along Justin as the season went on. Fields did not start the last game of the year. 15 games played for Fields. He completed 60% of his passes, 2,242 yards, 17 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. You can look at the Bears' stat sheet, and I guarantee you, you can look at it for five, six minutes, and there's going to be one stat that stands out more than any other. Sacks. Bears' quarterbacks were sacked 58 times in 17 games, 55 of the 58 sacks, Justin Fields. He is great at moving around in the pocket. If he can get away from traffic, he can make a massive play by carrying the football. But that Bears offensive line has a lot of work to do, and 55 sacks, absolutely unacceptable. Now, for Justin Fields to continue to grow – You have to build that offensive line, and to me, you have to go out and add that big-time wide receiver. Let's keep in mind the Bears have a lot of wiggle room this year. They have the biggest amount of empty cap space of any team in the NFL. They've got a lot of salary cap room. You just can't go out there with Chase Claypool, Equinemius St. Brown, Darnell Moody, Dante Pettis. I know two of those guys are Notre Dame players. I'm not saying they shouldn't play, but there's got to be a big-time addition. For example, the Raiders went all-in and got Devontae Adams to join their offense. They did not get to the playoffs. They're going to change quarterbacks, but he was a big-time difference maker, and I think every Packer fan would agree that was a major loss that probably cost them a spot in the playoffs. If Devontae Adams is on that Packers team, they're probably playing this weekend at the very least. So wide receiver is a major need. Cole Komet ended up leading this team in catches with 50. He was targeted 69 times for 544 yards and seven touchdowns. So that was a big-time improvement. With all that being said, if Ryan Poles, the GM of the Bears, feels like the guy – sitting in some college dorm room right now might be a better player than Justin Fields. He has the right to draft that quarterback and trade Justin Fields. Doubt it happens. It is something to think about. Ryan Poles was asked about Justin Fields and would Justin be his starting quarterback in 2023? Yeah, we had good conversations. Um, I'm excited for the direction he's going. And as I mentioned before, he knows where he has to improve. I think he mentioned that the other day. Um, So we're excited about his development and where he goes next. He showed ability to be impactful with his legs. There's flashes with his arm. Now if we can put that together, I think we have something really good. Because you have the first pick, there are people that sit there and go, the quarterback might be available there. You're saying Justin's your guy. Well, we're going to do the same as we've always done. We're going to evaluate the draft class. And I would say this, I'd have to be absolutely blown away to make that type of decision. Ryan, specifically, do you want to see Justin Fields get better as, as, a, as a passer? Yeah, just um, as a passer, just for things to slow down um, mentally and then be able to react and anticipate quicker. Um, 
obviously with that, we also have to continue to build around him so that he can do that uh, consistently as well. What did you learn about him, just watching him kind of develop as that leader of this offense? Yeah, resilient. Uh, a guy that has um, ownership, he has growth mindset, the amount of time that he put in with the coaches to continue to get better. The guy is hungry to be successful in this football, in this league. GM Ryan Poles of the Bears talking about his quarterback, Justin Fields. you got to bring more balance to this offense. It is great that Justin Fields can break a play 70 yards for a touchdown. There are a handful of quarterbacks can do that. Maybe that's even too many. There are a couple of guys that can do that. You need to establish an all-around better rushing attack. Again, the offensive line will be tweaked. David Montgomery likely is not back at running back for the Bears. Herbert's probably your backup. If you have a couple of minutes this weekend, and if you're interested, look at the possible group of free agents at the running back position this offseason. There is a good long list of players. So that is something that the Bears can probably take care of in free agency if they do not want to address it in the draft. Just off the top of my head, Jacobs from the Raiders is going to be out there. Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants. There's a really good batch of running backs. I think Tony Pollard, the guy who probably should be starting in Dallas, he's going to be out there as well. So you have the feeling the Bears will take care of the running back position in free agency. Here's Ryan Poles on bringing more balance to the offense. That passing game has to get better as Justin Fields continues to be such a threat running the football for this Bears offense. Yeah, I think a little bit too. I think it's like chemistry, just working with the group around him. Uh, I noticed like through the season, the guys that he had the most time with in the offseason, that tra that transferred into the season. I think that's why Cole had a hell of a year. Um, so that chemistry, building that chemistry is big. And then just letting the game slow down to him. Everything's new. This this offense was new for and you've seen everything for the first time. So uh, time on task, I think, is going to help. Justin Fields. And Cole Komet worked out a lot during the offseason. And once the coaching staff got Komet more involved in the game plan, his offensive productivity just skyrocketed the second half of the year. And as I mentioned, led the team in catches and receiving yards this year, plus the seven receiving touchdowns. So the Bears are not going to have to go out and get a starting tight end if they want to improve their number two, number three tight end. They can do that, but Cole Komet, Boy, got to like the way he really came on the second half of this year. And as I mentioned a couple of times, yeah, there's that offensive line. Yeah, I thought, you know, I'll start with the positives. The run game stuff was outstanding. I thought they did a good job. I thought um, I had talked about earlier about putting guys in position to succeed. I thought Tevin was successful moving a guard. Uh, that was fun to see him go through that. Um, but as a, a unit, I thought the run game was really good. Um, but we have to get better in pass pro. They all know that, um, and they're up for the challenge. And we got to continue for those that aren't here. We got to continue to bring in players that can help us do that. There's going to be some major changes along that offensive line. Finally, Ryan Poles tried to improve his offense during the season this year. The Pittsburgh Steelers were ready to move on from former Notre Dame star Chase Claypool. They made him available. Apparently, there were teams interested, including the Bears' rival, the Green Bay Packers. It seems like the Bears outbid the Packers, 
And with the way things ended up during the regular season, the Bears gave up the 32nd overall pick in the draft for Chase Claypool. The day the trade happened, I called it an overpay. I understood if they wanted to get Claypool, they were going to outbid probably the Packers, and it sounds like that's the way it transpired. But now you look back, boy, pick number 32, there is a heck of a lot of value in that spot. They have Claypool, who had 14 catches wrapping up the season with Chicago. Ryan Poles, who made the trade, was asked about the productivity or maybe the lack thereof in Chase Claypool and is he certain that he's a guy that can help them next year and possibly a player they might want to extend if things go well in 2023? I think that's the difference between like trades in baseball and, and, and basketball. It's like plug and play. There's an entire offseason and half of a season of installs and all the things that you need to do collectively to play and, and execute offensive play. Um, on top of that, it was a little bit choppy with some of Justin getting dinged up. Um, he got dinged up, uh, so it was a little bit choppy of a start. I don't. I told Chase, and we had a really good conversation. I'm not blinking at that one at all. I think he's going to help us moving forward, and I'm excited about it. With health, with uh, Justin being out for a little bit, um, your expectation. I told him, like, yeah, I wish I wish he came in. He had a thousand yards, and we just were going, but it didn't happen that way. But do I believe in the talent? and what he can bring to this team, I do. Um, and I still think we're going to get that. In terms of the, the contract stuff, to me, we just got to take the next step and see how he gets implemented and how he does in this offseason. He's going to spend a lot of time with Justin as well as the other receivers and build that chemistry, and we'll be able to evaluate that even clearer next year. Hmm. All right, so Notre Dame's Chase Claypool has a spot on the roster next year, but he has some things to prove. Big year for Chase with the opportunity to get an extension or go to free agency after the 2023 season. You would have to imagine Claypool as being expected to be a starter next year. But again, you take a look at number ones across the NFL. Not everybody has a number one. Hopkins from the Arizona Cardinals reportedly is going to be made available. We'll see if that is something the Chicago Bears are interested in. It's going to be fascinating beyond what they do in the first round to see how they help Justin Fields in 2023. A big opportunity for the Bears ahead. They may downplay it, but with all that salary cap space, you got the number one pick. This is a big foundational season for the Chicago Bears. And in fact, if polls in this front office can nail this offseason, is there any reason as a Bear fan, not to be hopeful that this team could compete for the NFC North title. I know they won three games this year. But in the National Football League, you can turn things around in a hurry. The Detroit Lions, a massive turnaround in midseason this year. What do they start? One and six, one and seven, and almost made the postseason. The Bears have a pretty good defense in place. They've got a running game. If that passing game can get rolling, it's not like the NFC North is full of Super Bowl contending teams. They don't have the 49ers, the Eagles in their division. Minnesota is a double-digit victory team, but they won all their close games, and that is credit to them. 
but those are the type of numbers that normally flip around in time. The Lions are coming quickly. I think that is going to be a serious contender. The Packers, is Aaron Rodgers going to be back? It's hard to know how to label the Packers at this time until the Love-Rodgers situation again gets resolved. Again, if the Bears can take care of business in the postseason, there's no reason to think they should not contend for the NFC North and contend for a playoff spot in 2023. They're going to have a last-place schedule, and that can enhance your opportunities as well. 5.55 is our time. Bears football next season, of course, on Quality Rock 94.3 FM. 5.55 is our time. We've got a sports update coming up in a couple of moments. Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated talks Notre Dame football and Irish women's basketball in about 10 minutes on WSBT. Since 1978, Pet Refuge. We're going to win. Don't want to be a loser. Going to win. The man in the end zone. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Lorenzo Styles on the post route. Gives to Estime. Leaps into the end zone. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Ball caught. Touchdown. What a catch by Jaden Thomas. Hands off to Diggs. There he goes. 20, 15, 10. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Notre Dame football coverage continues now from Sports Radio 960 AM WSPT. Here come the Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. And the second hour of Budweiser's weekday sports beat for this Wednesday. Wednesday is now ready to roll. Darren Pritchett with you. Joined by my colleague from Blue and Gold Illustrated, my co-host for Game Day Sports Beat. This year on WSBT Radio, he is the Notre Dame football beat reporter for Blue and Gold Illustrated. Check out his work at blueandgold.com. He is Tyler Horka. Well, first off, Tyler, Happy New Year. Haven't had a chance to talk to you a whole lot since we've moved the calendar to 2023, but I'm sure it's a little bit of an opportunity just to kind of go <sighs> with the, the football season now winding down. Yeah, I mean, we... We last spoke, what, 10, 12 days ago? It's been less than two weeks yeah. when that Tax Slayer Gator Bowl took place. And it feels like it's been a month, man, just with all the craziness. I mean, we're going to talk some Sam Hartman. Of course, Notre Dame got another transfer from, from Oklahoma State as well. So uh, we were just talking about it before we got on here. It feels like it never ends. We could go right from the season to the transfer portal. Uh, signing day happened uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And obviously, uh, the official one is in February, but I don't expect Notre Dame to do anything with it. But it's just it's it's a it's a full 365 day calendar. So on one hand, yeah, I've taken a couple of days, but on the other hand, there's been some days that have still been pretty busy since that Gator Bowl. We have not had the chance to speak since Notre Dame acquired arguably the best player in the transfer portal, Wake Forest quarterback Sam Hartman. How much of a difference do you believe Sam Hartman can make with this Fighting Irish offense? I think he can make a huge difference. And I know we have some people on our blueandgold.com message board saying, well, this isn't really fair to Tyler Buckner and let's give him a chance. And it, it, it's not fair to Tyler Buckner. And that's just because of the injury. It's you had to bring in a transfer quarterback, if you ask me. And like you said, Darren, you're probably bringing in the very best one that entered the portal this year. That is a massive win for Notre Dame. It would be a massive win for any program, not named, I don't know, USC that has Caleb Williams and the Heisman trophy a winner coming back. Uh, you know, even if 
an Ohio State who recruits five-star quarterbacks left and right would have gotten a guy like Sam Hartman. You're like, okay, maybe this is the heir to C.J. Stroud who's going off to the NFL. I know Alabama was even in the, mar- the market for a transfer quarterback. They would have been happy to get Sam Hartman in there to compete with their five-star guys. The fact of the matter for Notre Dame is Tyler Buckner is not a five-star guy. He has the injury history. He got injured in high school and missed an entire season. He basically missed an entire season this past fall when he went out with that shoulder injury in week two against Marshall. We didn't see him again until that Gator Bowl. So th- this is just something Notre Dame had to do. And the fact that they went out and got a guy who has set the ACC record for touchdown passes with 110 just this past season, I think he threw for 37 or 38 touchdowns, close to 4,000 yards. He missed the game with that blood clot at the very beginning of the year. It was great to see him play all 12 games after that and have one of the best bowl games of any quarterback that played in this past month of college football. So, uh, I mean, we'll get into X's and O's. If not today, I know over the course of this offseason, especially once spring ball comes around. But, man, I'm two games into watching his game film. Hmm. I'm going to break down every single game at blueandgold.com. If you guys haven't seen that, go check it out. And I'm just wowed because in two games, I've seen everything. I've seen rollouts. I've seen scramble, you know, improvising runs. Uh, I've seen him make all of the throws to the left sideline, to the right sideline, down the middle of the field. Slow mess concept, play action concept. He can do everything. And anytime a team brings in a guy like that, I mean, it's a huge success. It's a huge win. I had the chance to talk to someone who has covered Hartman at Wake Forest for the past five years, and I asked him that Hartman's rushing numbers were down significantly this year compared to the previous four years. And in his opinion, he felt like Wake Forest protected Hartman from possibly getting injured with the blood clot situation in August. I think they probably backed off him running. But let's say this, Tyler. If you go back and look at previous years, Hartman running the read option is a guy that can make big plays down the field. I guess my best way of comparing there's a little Ian book in him he's a guy that can make a play and run 20 25 30 yards down the field so I like that aspect of his game but also Tyler what have the Irish missed the ability to get the ball down the field teams were not scared of Notre Dame throwing the football deep all of a sudden there is now a major threaded quarterback because I think that's one of his greatest traits getting that ball down the field Oh, absolutely. In the two games that I've watched, that, that, that's the number one right there. And he's going to miss on a few deep balls. Every quarterback does. Turn on NFL games this week. Watch the, the Cowboys-Buccaneers game this coming Monday. Tom Brady is going to miss a couple deep shots. I guarantee you Dak Prescott is going to miss some deep shots. Those are good quarterbacks <laughs> in the NFL. Okay. Yeah, no, that's coming from a Cowboys fan who, who just watched whatever happened against I, Washington on Sunday. I thought you were going to say a bunch of incompletions and maybe an interception or two. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, for sure. And look, Sam Hartman throws some interceptions as well. I think he had 12 this past season. But that comes on 430 passing attempts. And and what you like to see is, in the two games that I've watched, again, you see a lot of that downfield throwing. And a lot of it comes on the slow mess. So I'm going to be curious to see how Tommy Reese kind of takes that out because you have a guy that's been so used to that for the last couple of seasons. When he leaves that ball in the running back's stomach there, sometimes the linebackers drift down toward the line of scrimmage. Even the safeties come down a little bit, and you're presented with more – one-on-one opportunities downfield. But look, I tweeted it out today. It doesn't matter what scheme you're running, what system you're running. If you have a guy that can throw the ball down the field with Sam Hartman's touch, his accuracy, uh, he throws a really strong ball down the field too. This thing's not fluttering. These are tight spirals. 
going to one place and one place only, and that's the wide receiver's hands most of the time. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that is a part of the offense that Notre Dame has just been lacking. I mean, you had it a little bit with Jack Cohn in 2021, but I, and then that goes back to what you started this conversation with was his running ability too. I, I've seen it even in short yard situations where you get him out on the, on the option, he's out on the, on the perimeter. Defenses have to pay respect to his legs. They think that he can run that ball in there. All of a sudden he just drops it in over your head for a passing touchdown. So you didn't see him use the legs as much for, for yards and touchdowns as you might've seen in 2021. Maybe that's because Wake Forest was protecting him, like you said, but you still saw him get out there a little bit. And once he got out there, teams still had to respect that all of a sudden the ball's over their heads and it's going down the field. So uh, deep ball using his legs, he, he's just got everything. And anytime you can bring a guy like that in, I said it before in this conversation, I'll say it again. You have to, you have to do that. He's a really good football player. And it's a major win for Notre Dame to get him on campus. Talking Notre Dame football with Blue and Gold Illustrated's Tyler Horka on WSBT Radio. The Irish also went into the portal and got the safety from Oklahoma State, Thomas Harper, a player that started seven games in his career at Oklahoma State all this season, got dinged up. That's why he only started seven games. Tyler, he was a player that was a part of their three-safety system, and at times he would line up against the slot receiver. Is there a chance that Thomas Harper could be the replacement for Tariq Bracey as this football team's nickelback? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I see it, uh, a lot of things playing into this. Obviously, you lose Brandon Joseph. You lose a guy like Houston Griffith, who was a depth piece at safety as well. But then you factor in the Tariq Bracey thing. You've seen a lot of these defensive backs for Notre Dame kind of move all over. You see some can play cornerback and safety, and especially when you're considering the slot corner position. I know Tyreek Bracey primarily played that this past season, but you're losing him. Uh, I think your best uh, replacement for him as it stands on the roster right now, not including Harper, would probably be Jaden Mickey, and he had an up-and-down season, and he's still gaining confidence. He's young in his career. I'm not sure he's ready to take on a full-time starting role in that slot position. So you just bring in a guy with experience. I know you mentioned the injuries, but he's got seven starts. That's more than Mickey, obviously. He's been in college football for a while. I think you feel comfortable lining him up in the middle. And, and look, even if he doesn't pan out to be that slot corner, you still have a depth piece in that defensive back room that you really need. Because like I said, you're losing a couple guys at safety. You're losing Tariq Bracey. Uh, you just need depth. College football is all about depth. You see injuries happen all the time. Just, just look at Thomas Harper at Oklahoma State, for example. But you hope that he comes in healthy. He's able to give you a body in that DB room because I, I think it's a pretty good one and it's a good at. And th this is just an example of Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame going out and just, you know, finding pieces to kind of fill holes and fill needs. And th they don't go to the portal. I think they've only brought in four or five portal guys in this cycle. It's been a, over a month that the transfer portal has been open. They needed a quarterback. They went and got Sam Hartman. They needed a defensive back. They went and got Thomas Harper. They needed a kicker after Blake Groupie left, and they went and got the South Florida graduate transfer, Spencer Schrader. So uh, it, it's more about quality over quantity with Notre Dame in the transfer portal, and I think Thomas Harper is one of those quality additions for Notre Dame. I guess, Tyler, as media members, we look at all the positives of this football team going into next year. We've just talked about one of them, Sam Hartman. But then on the other side of the coin, for this team to be a playoff contender, there is one spot on this roster that has me concerned as of January the 11th, 2023. Now, maybe they add a couple of players in the portal to change this, or possibly there are some players developing that are going to surprise us. 
But considering the high standard, Tyler, at the defensive line position for so many years now, and not only quality play, but the depth has provided this coaching staff the ability to rotate players at will, and it didn't feel like they lost a whole lot of productivity. You go back to Mike Elston, who kind of got this thing going when he became the defensive line coach years ago. Of course, he's now left to go to Michigan. But right now, you look at the state of this defensive line. To me, I have concerns it's not going to be championship level. Am I missing something? Are there some parts that are possibly blossoming right now that are going to surprise me? Well, here's the issue to me, and I'm 100% agreement with you as of January 11, 2023, it wasn't championship level in 2022. Mm-hmm. And you lost most of the guys who made it as good as it was. It was a good defensive line. It was not championship level. And you lost all of the guys that made it good. You lost Isaiah Foskey. You lost Jason Adamalola. You lost Justin Adamalola. I thought Chris Smith from Harvard came in and did exactly what Notre Dame needed him to do for one year. Rotational guy, off the sideline, came in, plugged some holes along the interior of the defensive line, made some run stops. Obviously, he's not a big pass rush guy, but he was present. He was visible. You saw number 65 on a lot of plays for Notre Dame. That's four key guys that you just lost. Boom, they're gone. And obviously, Isaiah Foskey being the crown jewel of that quartet, given that he's this program's all-time leading sack getter. He just got you double-digit sacks in back-to-back seasons. You lose all of those guys. It's, I mean, it's a very big question mark for Notre Dame right now. Uh, the portal is still open for another week. I think exactly from today it closes. I think it's January 18th. But, I, but again, we started this conversation mm-hmm. saying these days are all cluttered together. I'm <laughs> not sure. I think that's the date, though. Uh, I, I think you need to go get somebody. Uh, you look at Utah State's Byron Bonds, probably. Notre Dame offered him. Uh, but kind of like the Chris Smith thing, you need to bring in someone that can just play a role for you, even if it's coming off the sideline. And even if he only gets you 15, 20 tackles, and maybe not even that, you you need depth. It goes back to the Thomas Harper conversation. You need depth at a position like defensive line. You just lost four of the guys that played uh, most of your snaps. I mean, I guarantee you all of those guys were top six, top eight in snaps played along the defensive line. Now you're looking at guys, you know, you need Riley Mills to be better than he was in 2022. You thought he was going to be maybe the second best defensive lineman behind Isaiah Fosky. He was good. He had, he had moments. He wasn't that dominant force. You need Howard Cross to be, a revelation again. You hope that wasn't a one-off in 2022 because I thought he played really well, but now you're looking at him as probably your best returning defensive lineman. And I'm not sure that's the spot Notre Dame wants to be in because just a year ago, you're thinking he's going to be one of those depth guys playing with Jake Blake, who obviously went to the transfer portal. So uh, just to circle it all back to what you said, absolutely. I think it's a concern. I think the coaching staff is aware of that. And I mean, it's going to be development city for these guys in spring practice through the summer and then into the fall because you're looking at a lot of young guys and not even all young guys, some late bloomers there who are Mm -hmm. seniors who we haven't seen a lot play. You're going to be expecting a lot from them just given what Notre Dame lost. Blue and gold illustrated. It's Tyler Horka, my guest. So is Georgia any good? 65-7 against TCU. Speaking of defensive lines, that is the standard. Yeah, it is. I mean, you've got huge guys. I mean, it would just be a treat to be a Georgia fan just because you know you're going to roll out there and, and nobody's going to be able to run the ball on you. You're going to get to the quarterback. It's uh, You talk about championship standard, championship level defensive lines. That's it. I mean, those guys can play ball. They're coached well. I think, you know, Will Muschamp, he's 
a defensive coordinator at Texas when Texas won the national title. I know he wasn't great as a head coach, but man, that guy knows what he's doing. And all of those staffers on that on that coaching staff know what they're doing. They bring in the right guys, and then the right guys play well. It's, it's a machine is what it is. I could watch Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator, call plays every yeah. Saturday. I mean, that was a clinic Monday night. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they knew what TCU wanted to do defensively, and they just were, went out there with their offense and, and did it better. They, they did a better uh, job than, than TCU. I mean, it was – we talked about the stars, and I guess stars do matter. I think it was 18 five-stars for Georgia, one for TCU. You could see that, but you you could also see just scheme differential and just a better overall preparedness from Georgia than TCU. And I'm not taking anything away from Sonny Dykes and his coaching staff because they did a phenomenal job just to get there. But it's one thing to have the best players in college football, and Georgia has that. They're, I mean, they're right up there with Alabama, Ohio State, all of those teams. It's another thing to coach those guys the right way, put in the right schemes, put in the right game plans just specifically for that game. I mean, that was a flawless game. Georgia scored on its first six possessions. It was just an absolute clinic. And, look, Stetson Bennett is good, but he's no world beater. I mean, he's, he's my size, and I'm 5'11 with a bump on my head, probably 180 <laughs> pounds, right? He's my size, and he's out there doing what he did. That's a testament just to that, to that system and the way they do things at Georgia because for two years now, it's the best in college football. I want to switch to Irish women's basketball for a moment. The last time we saw Neil Ivey's team, a surprising 10-point loss to a North Carolina team that had been really scuffling the last couple of weeks. Notre Dame went down to Chapel Hill, lost by 10. I mean, this is a team that averages in the 80s to only score 50 points was shocking, and I know you had a pretty good stat. ACC road game three-point shooting has been a struggle for whatever reason for the Irish, including on Sunday, an unthinkable two for 22. Yeah, I've written so many articles since then, I forget what the number was, <laughs> but was it, it was somewhere between 10 and 15%, was it not? 15.2%. There you go. That's what they're shooting three-point-wise in ACC road games. And look, I think there might not be another sport, and especially at the professional level, because – I think pros can go on the road and perform anywhere. We, we see it across every single one of the pro sports. I mean, look at we're, – we're big hockey fans. I think road hockey teams have a really good record in the playoff, and mm-hmm. those are some of those raucous environments that we've seen. For whatever reason, college basketball, men and women, that might be the hardest place to get a road victory it is a true road game in college basketball. I don't know what it is. You don't play a lot of them for one. That was only Notre Dame's fourth true road game of the season. Here we are mid-January, and, and they're still only number four. And it's not like Chapel Hill is a, is a crazy – on a Sunday afternoon, it's a crazy road environment. But I don't know if it's sight lines, it's the travel. you got to factor in that these are students, and, you know, you're, you're flying over there on a Saturday and playing on Sunday and coming back on Sunday night. I don't know what it is, but all of that to say this, Darren, I don't think they're going to go two for 22 from the three-point line a whole, <laughs> uh, a whole lot this season. And you just get that one out of the way. I know it's crushing to lose that way, especially after you just crept into the top five in the polls. You thought this team was Final Four worthy. And then that being your last time you see them, you're like, well, I don't know. Can can they even make the Elite Eight or the Sweet 16 or whatever? They're not going to shoot two for 22 again. I think they have a really good core. Dara Mabry is their best three-point shooter. She goes one for 11 from three in that game. That's not going to happen a whole lot this season. You kind of just get back to the basics, get back to doing what you do. They got a home game on Thursday night to kind of rid the taste of that. And 
you're going to be staring up and if they take care of business on Thursday at a 13-2 and two record. They're still in the top 10. This is still a really good basketball team. It's just one of those clunkers that you see in college basketball on the road. Tyler, let's wrap things up by reminding folks what they could expect now and in the coming days at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Yeah, I mentioned uh, the Sam Hartman series that I'm doing. I'm 2 of 12 right now. I recapped his game uh, against Liberty today, and it was Vanderbilt was his first game of the season of 2022. Uh, Just a lot of videos, GIFs, analysis, what I see from watching every single one of Sam Hartman's snaps in those games. I know it's all Sam Hartman, Sam Hartman, Sam Hartman, if you're a Notre Dame fan right now. And blueandgold.com is the the best place to get info on him, what to expect from him, and just kind of all kinds of analysis. So our deal has, after the new year, has transitioned to twenty nine ninety nine for, uh, I guess, eight months of access now because that carries you through the start of this upcoming football season. So we had the $1 deal. We had the $10 deal. Twenty nine ninety nine isn't so bad when you're factoring in all of the things that you're getting there. So if you're not signed up, sign up. And, and if you are, then you're doing it right. And you probably saw those Hartman pieces today because uh, I put a lot of work into those and, and the reaction has been good on the message board so far. So, uh, yeah, we're Sam Hartman Central right now, blueandgold.com. <laughs> Very good. Tyler's going to join me during the off season Wednesdays at 6.05, and I guarantee we will have plenty to talk about And before you know it, spring football will be here. But I don't want to say that around you, Tyler, because you need a couple of days just to catch your breath. I'm not going to scare you like that, but it's not too far away, which actually is not a bad thing. But good to talk to you again. Looking forward to speaking to you every Wednesday, and we'll do it again in seven days. Yeah, I'm actually going down to uh, Oxford, Mississippi for a wedding. I don't know if Lane Kiffin is going to be there, but... Yeah, this weekend, I'll, maybe I'll get those two days that you talked about because I'll be down there for uh, a former co-worker's wedding. It should be a good time. Oh, yeah, that that could be a lot of fun. Very good. Hey, Tyler, <laughs> safe travels. Yeah. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Darren. Thank you so much. Tyler Horka covers Notre Dame football. He is the beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, and also covers Irish women's basketball. 627 at WSBT. You can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the app store and Google play. Now back to local sports talk on sports beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. 631 at WSBT sports be brought to you by Budweiser and our friends at United Beverage by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Their newest location on Lincoln Way in the Twin Branch area is now open for carryouts. Barnaby's, the family inn by the Food Bank of Northern Indiana by Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience by the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, or new beginnings have happy endings. By Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Joel Ladig in Mishawaka or John Shaver in South Bend. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, let's go back to yesterday's program when I posted on my Twitter account at 960-SPORTSBEAT this Twitter question of the day. Fresh off Georgia demolishing TCU for the national title of college football. 
65-7. to I asked, what part of the Georgia football DNA would you like Notre Dame to have? Here were your three choices. Number one, the dominant dog defense. Number two, you look at the offensive side of the football, you'd like to have that bulldog elite skill position tandems at running back and wide receiver and a pretty good tight end as well. And the third choice, head coach Kirby Smart and that bulldog coaching staff. So what part of the Georgia DNA would you like to steal for Notre Dame? Well, you have a lot of confidence in this Irish coaching staff because the Georgia coaching staff led by Kirby Smart only got 8% of the vote. I think you're saying the pieces are in place within this coaching staff to get the job done led by Marcus Freeman. The voting at the top was very, very tight. Only two percentage points between the two other choices. Second place in the voting, getting 46% of the vote, the Bulldogs' dominant defense. That would have got my vote just based on the great defensive line they have had the last couple of years, including this year's group, Carter, their defensive tackle, probably a top five pick in the draft. And with the conversation I just had with Blue and Gold Illustrated's Tyler Horkett, where I brought up my biggest concern, the defensive line, in 2023, I'm stealing that Georgia defensive DNA. But that topic, second place in the voting at 46%. And winning the vote, barely. 48% went with Georgia's elite skill positions. Sam Hartman at quarterback, I love that. Logan Diggs, Audric Estime, Chris Tyree, younger guys, love the running backs. You're in great shape. Wide receivers, show us. There's a lot of guys with great reputations from high school. Now show us. Tight end position, hey, you lose Michael Mayer, there's going to be a drop-off there. Can't argue that. So, to me, give me that defense, and I think Notre Dame's okay offensively. So I would have voted for the dominant Georgia defense, but you had your say, and the Sports Beat listener believes the part of the Georgia DNA you want Notre Dame to have elite skill positions. That got 48% of the vote. Thank you very much for voting in our poll question, and... The latest question went up earlier this afternoon. And it's in regard to the National Football League. We've got playoff coverage all weekend here on WSBT Radio. Today's question, what National Football Conference lower-seeded team has the best chance of winning this weekend? You have three choices from the NFC schedule. Choice number one, the Seattle Seahawks going on the road to take on the San Francisco 49ers. That's an NFC West showdown, third time these two teams have met this year. In fact, every wild card game this weekend is a rematch from the regular season. Your second choice, the G-Men, the New York football giants led by Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones and the Giants going back to Minnesota 
where a long 60-yard field goal was made by the Vikings to escape with a three-point win. So what do you think about Giants taking out the Vikings? And your third choice, the old Dallas Cowboys and the interception machine known as Dak Prescott going down to Tampa to take on the GOAT, Tom Brady, and the Buccaneers. So which lower-seeded team has the best chance of winning this weekend? Do you like the Seahawks over the 49ers, the G-Men over the Vikings, or the Cowboys taking down the Buccaneers? You can vote right now on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. We will pass along the results tomorrow, and then we'll ask the same question in regard to the American Football Conference. 637 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Abby, thank you very much. I'm Darren Pritchett. Sportsbeat continues, 644 at WSBT. We're going to spend a little time tomorrow talking about the Indianapolis Colts, recapping GM Chris Ballard's end-of-the-season press conference where he talked about some of the mistakes that he made and looking ahead to picking fourth or maybe moving up in the NFL draft. First things first, the Colts starting a coaching search. Ballard will lead that search. Jim Ursay, the owner, will obviously make the final, final call. But some of the candidates that are being kicked around, or at least we know because they've requested to interview these individuals. First off, you've got Philadelphia Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen. He's already been asked by the Colts, or I should say the Colts have asked to interview him. And I'm sure that interview will happen at some point, but the Eagles are trying to win a Super Bowl. Aaron Glenn, the Detroit Lions defensive coordinator of the last couple of years, I know for sure he interviewed in Denver last year. Raheem Morris, interview requested. L.A. Rams defensive coordinator, won a Super Bowl last year and has head coaching experience, head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 2009 through 2011. Ben Johnson, a rising star in the coaching ranks, Interview requested for the Detroit Lions. Offensive coordinator, one year on the job, did a whale of a job in Detroit. Ejero Evero, defensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos this year, part of the Super Bowl championship coaching staff with the L.A. Rams last year where he was the secondary coach and pass game coordinator, considered a rising head coaching star. He's already interviewed in Denver. Bubba Ventrone. Is it Ventrone? I can't remember. He's the special teams coach for the Colts. If it's Ventrone, I apologize. Drawing a blank right now. He's been the special teams coordinator since 2018. Probably was the best candidate to be the interim head coach. Colts decided on Jeff Saturday. Apparently a well-respected coach in that building. And Bubba being interviewed by the Colts for their head coaching position. Sean Payton, the old Saints head coach, has not been linked to Indianapolis. Apparently, interview requests have come in for Payton from Denver and Arizona and Houston. If you want to, if you want Payton, you have to give up some draft capital to acquire Sean Payton from the New Orleans Saints. So that's where the Colts stand as they look for a new head coach. Saturday will be obviously considered the interim head coach after Frank Reich 
was fired and Reich is interviewed or is about to be interviewed for the Carolina Panther job. 647, we'll talk sports wagering next on WSBT. Show me the money. We go with Sizzler. We go with Sizzler. Well, we're kind of stuck at 50% the last couple of nights on our suggestions here on We Going to Sizzler. Darren Pritchett with you, 652 at WSBT. Let's quickly go through the suggestions from last night's action. We had Michigan State minus one at Wisconsin at minus 115. Spartans pulled it out 69 to 65. Second suggestion last night. I backed one more time. The Irish minus five against Georgia Tech. The Irish won the game, but they did not cover the five. I went with a player prop from the Notre Dame game. Cormac Ryan had grabbed over five rebounds in four of the last five games. So I took Cormac Ryan over four and a half rebounds against Georgia Tech. He had two. And finally, from the NHL, Canucks and Penguins over six and a half total goals. It was 3-3 after the first period. So with a shootout, worst case, you're going to have an over of six and a half. So that was a win after the first period. It ended up 5-4 Pittsburgh, nine goals scored. So it was a two-and-two day where underdog pick did not hit. Nate Lashevsky, I had him over one and a half three-pointers made at plus 120. He hit one and missed three others. All right, the suggestions for tonight. I'm going to start with a player prop in the Penn State-Indiana game. I'm going to go Penn State's Jalen Pickett over 18.5 points at minus 105. He has went over 21 points in four of his last five games. So good at backing down opposing guards in the low block. I'm going to take Arkansas on their home floor, minus one against Alabama at minus 110. With the Wizards dealing with some players sitting out tonight, I'm going Chicago Bulls plus one at the Wizards at minus 110. And finally, a two-team parlay from the NHL. I'm going to stack the Maple Leafs on the money line at home over Nashville and the Oilers on the money line at Anaheim. You add those two together, you get plus 111 odds. So if you bet $10, you win $21.12. Our underdog pick for tonight from the Big East, I'm going Creighton on the road at Xavier. We get Creighton at plus 130, so you bet 10, you win $24. Budweiser's weekday sports beat brought to you by Budweiser, by the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Their newest location on Lincoln Way in the Twin Branch area is now open for carryouts. Barnaby's the family inn. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, or new beginnings have happy endings. And by our sports update sponsor, Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Joel Lading in Mishawaka or John Shaver in South Bend. Mishawaka Caveman Girls Basketball, home against Warsaw, coming up. On our sister station, 96 won the ton in a couple of moments. We'll see you tomorrow.